It's that time. Super Podcast, Mega Podcast, Sippy Pod, Dan Dave Pod, Hitman Cast, whatever you guys want to call it. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. Joined here by these Saturday suspects as usual, Uncle Dave, Dan Rivera, and Pregame Hitman. You guys can find them on Twitter at Pregame Hitman, at Dan Rivera, and at Dave underscore Essler. Guys, it's going to be a NFL Futures pod. You guys are going to get a ton of picks on this podcast. I also have some sound from our buddy Bernie Fratto and from Mackenzie. So it's going to be an action-packed hour, nothing but NFL picks. Let's go ahead and give you guys the menu for today. We're going to go through some Super Bowl picks, player props. Maybe we'll get to some MVP stuff. We'll definitely have best bets at the end. We have team totals. Each and every guy has a pick on team totals. That should be interesting. I think we're probably going to have 25, 30 wagers for this podcast. So I don't want to waste any time. No small talk. As we were talking before the show, guys, uh, myself, the hitman, Uncle Dave, we all went golfing. It turned out miserable. I guess the only one that's happy probably on this podcast is Dan because he had told me, I think about three or four times over the course of a, just a couple of texts that the gym was open and uh, he was happy about that. So Dan, I'm glad uh, everything's going well in your neck of the woods. Guys, I want to start out with our Super Bowl picks. Normally somebody would save this till last, but I'm going to go ahead and do this one first. Uncle Dave and Hitman, you guys both have the same team. Uncle Dave, I'm going to let you go ahead and start first. Who are you thinking for the Super Bowl this year? Well, it's funny. I, I laid out my teams that I thought could win the Super Bowl. And when I say could, you know, I, I look at the coach, the quarterback, uh, home field advantage in the playoffs, and the defense. And four of the five I laid out were the top four betting favorites, as you'd expect. One of them was Seattle. Well, they're not going to get home field advantage in that, in that uh, NFC West. One of them was the Saints. They might. Uh, Baltimore. I question whether they don't uh, negate themselves with maybe Pittsburgh. Uh, Cleveland's going to be better. I don't think they duplicate. Um, the only other one I had in there that wasn't top five was the Steelers, based on experience. If they can go 8-8 eight eight without Roethlisberger, they could get in there. Um, so that only left one team left, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think adding Edward Tolaire gives them a running game they didn't have. And they have all the other pieces they just did. it. I don't like to go chuck, but I had to. All right, Hitman, since you're on the Chiefs and now we all know that, what are you thinking about Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, let me start off by saying that I really am not a big fan of the Super Bowl futures. And the reason is, is there is a lot of hidden vig into these futures. I mean, it's something like a 40% hold or something from the sports books where for a normal game, when you're laying 110, it's about, a, I believe, a 4% hold or so. So I'm not really a fan of these, but if you do want to take one and have a little action on one, I like the Chiefs also. And it just comes down to the fact that you have a transcendent generational quarterback. And I think that Mahomes could very likely have a career very similar to the Brady's Peyton Manning's of the world where every single year that team is going to be in contention to the very end. You've seen in his first year as a starter, they went to the AFC Championship, were an offsides away from being in the Super Bowl. And then last year, they went out and won the Super Bowl. So I think there's a great chance that they're going to be in at least in the AFC Championship again. They pretty much have the same roster as last year. And if that happens, then you have a good bet at 6-1 to one if they can make it that far. I was actually quite surprised that the Chiefs were, you know, that you can get them as high as like 6-1. to one. That actually quite surprised me. Now, Dan, 
you're going to go ahead and you're going to take the team that the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl last year. You like the 49ers. You can get them around 9-1. to one. What's your analysis on those guys? I wanted to say the Chiefs, but everybody's going to be picking the Chiefs, so I want to be different here. The Niners themselves got an upgrade at left tackle Trent Williams. The Niners still have that defense. Jimmy G gets another offseason in the Kyle Shanahan offense. When Matt Ryan won his MVP that year, Matt Ryan came out and said it took about 18 months to fully understand and fully incorporate all of Kyle Shanahan's offense. Well, it's going to give Jimmy G another offseason and a full healthy offseason after the ACL tear last year. And that's why I like the Niners. You know, when the hitman had said that the Mahomes is a transcendent quarterback, you can't disagree with him at all. And, Dan, I remember texting you I, probably about two weeks ago. I said, Dan, are there any odds for the Chiefs to go ahead and three-peat? In order for that to happen, you need a quarterback, obviously, who, you know, is very, very good. And I think that we all would agree here that Mahomes and maybe Kansas City might actually be able to pull that off. So it's not that I don't like the Chiefs. I actually like the Chiefs. They would probably be my second pick of the year. And the reason being is – the team I actually think has a real shot to win the Super Bowl is going to come out of the AFC. And I like the Cleveland Browns at 40-1. to 1. I know a lot of people might laugh at me with that one. But the Browns, they only played two playoff teams on their schedule from last season, this upcoming season. Those two teams are going to be against the Titans and the Ravens. And I think most would agree the Browns have the number one easiest schedule with some of the uh, pros and everybody kind of talking about, you know, the schedule that they have. It just looks, you know, looks really easy. And I don't think we could discount the, uh, you know, the, the easiness of their schedule for one second. Now, the Browns, they're going to play three home games this season against the Colts, the Eagles, and the Texans, in which those teams, when they face them at home, those teams will be coming off back-to-back road games. I think that really helps out their season. The Browns, they're also going to have two primetime games this season, and both of those games are at home. One of those games will be key. It'll be against the Ravens near the end of the season. And the Browns' final five road games, they include the Bengals, the Jags, Titans, Giants, and the Jets. A very easy road schedule. I don't see how, according to this schedule, the Browns can't win at least 10 games. Now, I think they have some big help on the roster. They really bolstered that roster up. Austin Cooper is going to be in there at a tight end. You know, you still have Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. You know, you add in Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. You still have Najoku, Rashard Higgins. Um, There's just a lot of players on that team, and they're going to help their offensive line left tackle. They get Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Freddie Kitchens is finally out of there, and I think the offense around Kevin Stefanski will actually be uh, a big upgrade. And I also think this pandemic in a way, and I talked to Dan about this, you know, it might help a lot of the immature players around the league. Why? Because they're not at the beach. They're not at the club. Pretty much they're just staying at home, and what else do they have to do except work on you know conditioning their body, studying the playbook, and maybe taking a bigger look at life and you know taking some personal inventory. And who are the two biggest, more immature people on this team? You have to say Baker Mayfield and probably Odell Beckham. And I think it gives those two guys you know a real chance to go ahead and, and, and kind of wise up and, and really just get this team together and, and really take this team under their wings. I think they'll do well. Um, so my prediction for the season, Browns 11 or 12 wins. And I think the Browns will shock the world. And if they do beat Kansas City, uh, I believe they will win the Super Bowl. So there are Super Bowl picks, guys. Mine is probably the craziest out of all of them, 40-1. to This was the part of the podcast that I was really excited for. 
we were going to get into some player props here. I'm going to start out with Uncle Dave. Uncle Dave, you could give your first one, and then we'll save your second one. We'll kind of stagger it a little bit. Why don't you start out with your uh, David Johnson prop? I like David Johnson under 1,260 yards from scrimmage. I know he has the potential to get a lot more than that. He got over 2,000 in 2016, but that was in a Bruce Arians offense. In Houston, I think Duke Johnson is still the third down back. And I look back at what Texas running backs have done uh, over the last, what, eight years. Last year, Duke Johnson had 410 yards receiving out of the backfield. I mean, and barely anybody had over 300 in like nine years. So it's, it's the system. And last year, as the featured and really the only back, Carlos Hyde had 15 attempts per game. I'm going to drop that to about a dozen or so for David Johnson with Duke Johnson available. If he averages 4.2 yards a carry or so, that's 800 yards rushing, meaning he needs almost 500 receiving, which he's done once in five years in that one-hit wonder uh, uh, 2016 season. So he has to have a better year catching the ball than any Texan since Arian Foster in 2011. I don't think he will. David Johnson, under 1260 yards from scrimmage. I like that one, Uncle Dave. And here's another one that I actually really like. This one's from Dan. We actually talked this one over together. Dan, you have a Baker Mayfield prop that we both strongly agreed on. What do you got? Baker Mayfield, over 23 and a half touchdowns. This number is too low, in my opinion. Baker's rookie year, he played 13 and a half games. He came in about halfway through that Thursday night game, and Tyrod Taylor got hurt. And he threw 27 that year. Last year, with all the hype and terrible Freddie Kitchens coaching, he still threw 22. At this number, I expect Mayfield to go over probably week 13, 14, or 15. When you look at the Browns' schedule, it's a joke. They play the third easiest strength of schedule using Warren Sharp's method. On division games of Redskins, you get the Cowboys' terrible secondary, Raiders, Texans, Jags, Giants, and Jets. In division, you have the Bengals, Ravens' tough secondary, and Steelers' good defense. Mayfield last year threw three touchdowns against the Steelers, three against the Ravens, and only three against the terrible Bengals. And those three touchdowns all came in one game. I expect him to be better this year with an upgrade in coaching, an upgrade in skills position, an upgrade in offensive line. So I like the Baker Mayfield over 23 and a half touchdowns. Obviously, I would agree with you 100% with that one, Dan. I actually really like that one quite a bit. Hitman, you got a quarterback and a wide receiver. You can go ahead and pick either one that you got, and I'll uh, follow up with the next guy. What do you got? All right, well, let's let's go with the quarterback. So Gardner Minshew under 23 and a half passing touchdowns. So, I mean, I look at this as a free roll because if he does play the whole season, I still think that he's probably going to be in the low 20s range where we could still win this. But the Jags are going to be a terrible team this year. They're over-unders four and a half wins at some spots. So what typically happens with teams that win four and a half games? Well, the quarterback's going to get blamed for what's happening. They're going to try out other players at the position. Or there could be an injury behind a terrible offensive line where defenses are going to be able to tee off on him when teams are up two touchdowns on them. So there's a lot of paths for us to win this bet, and I think that it's good all the way down to 20 and a half, to be honest. All right, so there's the hitman taking Gardner Minshew under total passing touchdowns for the year. Guys, I'm going to go out. I'm going to take Cooper Cup over. 1,050 and a half receiving yards on the season. I'll make this one short and sweet. I think Goff and Cup, I think Cup is probably his got to be his number one guy. Now, last year, Woods had more targets, but, you know, Cup had more yards. And I think, you know, just the fact that he got hurt the year prior, you know, last year, maybe it was a, a year where, you know, he could just get healthy and get back in the rhythm. But I think, you know, 
coming off this offseason, I think that, you know, for sure, Cup is going to be his number one guy. And uh, he'll go ahead and he'll have the most yards receiving on this team. Now, Brendan Cooks is gone. Gurley's gone. And that accounted for 73 total receptions last year. Well, somebody has to go ahead and make up all those targets and catches. And I don't think it's going to be their number three guy who's going to step in now, Josh Reynolds. And if you look at the backup situation from Gurley last year, it was Daryl Henderson. He only saw a grand total of like four catches last year. I think he had six targets total. So I highly doubt that the, that the Rams are going to look to Cam Akers, the rookie, to go ahead and be like the pass catcher on this team. So I don't really see any other way except to really just dive in here on Cup, one guy uh, to go ahead and have a real successful season and probably go over his season total. So I'm going to make that official, guys. I'll take Cooper Cup over the 1,050. Uncle Dave, you have a wide receiver here that should be in the news each and every weekend. What do you got? Yeah, I like Mike Evans under nine and a half touchdown receptions. You look at last year, only three players, uh, your Cooper Cup, Galladay, and Mark Andrews had 10 or more receiving touchdowns. Andrews is a tight end. It's only two wide receivers had double digits. I think Brady's deep ball is a shadow of what it once was. There's the whole chemistry thing. Uh, The value play here is to take the under. But if you disagree, if you'd rather bet on Evans' upside, I'd wait for the most TD reception markets to open, which I would expect Evans' price to be in a six or eight to one. And betting over on nine and a half receiving TDs is not really different than betting on Evans to lead the league in receiving TDs. So you might as well invest in the in the upside, the bigger payout. But I'm still taking the under because he missed three games last season, hasn't had more than eight since 2016. So these numbers are Brady inflated. And we know Brady will throw to the open guy, not who the play was designed for. And when they get down to the end zone, he's got his security blanket Gronk back. I think he's going to see more of the targets. So I'm betting under nine and a half TDs for Mike Evans. I like your uh, Gronk angle too there, Uncle Dave, because I was thinking about the same thing. You know, if, if, if Brady has any type of a security blanket, um, a guy that could easily just go ahead and pick up the playbook that, that, you know, Brady's trying to maybe instill into that offense, you know, it's going to be Gronk. And, you know, he might get far more targets. I kind of like that play, and I think it's actually quite sneaky. Dan, you have a sneaky one here with DeAndre Hopkins. What do you got? DeAndre Hopkins under 93.5 receptions. This number is really high to me. This is about the public perception in the Arizona Cardinals being a team this year that's going to be on the up and coming. Hopkins... The last three years has gone over this number. The problem with those numbers is the Houston Texans wide receivers outside of DeAndre Hopkins could not stay healthy. Will Fuller, we know his issues. And the Texans consistently number three option, Kiki QT, had some health issues also. Based off that alone, Hopkins was always going to go over. Now in Arizona, it's a lot different. Cardinals have Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk as options. Kenyon Drake is a big part of that pass offense. If you look at his numbers from last year, Cardinals offensive line is still not very good. And Kyler Murray alone had 93 rushing attempts. Hopkins will be in a much, much better division than the AFC South. In the NFC West alone, he'll see Jalen Ramsey twice. You get the Niners pass rush. And the Seahawks are kind of hit and miss on defense. When you look at non-division, Hopkins will see Stephon Gilmer and Tredavious White. And you're going to need six receptions alone per game to go over this number. With that being said, Hitman or Dave can answer this question. Can the public move these props at all? So I, I've bet about 25 to 30 of these props, and they're literally moving as soon as you place them. So 
if I'm playing them at FanDuel and I'm betting over eight touchdowns on a guy minus 110, you're going to see the VIG jump up maybe 15, 20 cents, or you're going to see the number jump up a half touchdown. And I'm pretty sure they do that with everyone because there's not much action on these markets, so they really don't want to be lopsided on a certain side. And if somebody is tying up their money for this long on something like that, especially if they're putting big money on it, then you have to assume that they could have an edge because this is a very beatable market. So, yeah, the books are really aggressive to move these lines. And I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, if Hopkins ends up taking a bunch of money and that number, you know, gets up closer to 100. So uh, if you want to buy now, you know, my my recommendation would be, you know, maybe take a little bit now and, and kind of wait, wait until we get closer to the season. Hitman, you have a wide receiver. I got a quarterback. Why don't you let me go since you just went? I struggled with this handicap, to be honest with you guys. I couldn't spit it out. This was going to be my handicap for straight out of Vegas show tonight. Lamar Jackson under 920 rush yards on the season. First off, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, I think they're going to have a targets on their back each and every week. And they're going to get a real effort from each team that they go ahead and they face this season. Now, this will be Jackson's second season. And I would suspect, you know, the teams have much more time this year versus last year because of the coronavirus. Also heading into this season, the Ravens, they're going to have to play 10 of their 16 games against teams that saw them last year. So I think that will certainly help with their game tape review and everything against Lamar Jackson. And if you have really, you know, looked at the news the last couple of days, Harbaugh came out and he said he wants to go ahead and have Jackson try a lot harder to go ahead and get the ball down the field, more deep throws. So I think, you know, that that's going to mean less running for Lamar Jackson. We also have the opportunity of Jackson getting hurt. He ran a record last year, 176 attempts. If Jackson truly is the franchise player for the Ravens, well, then they have to limit his attempts this season. And, you know, I have to ask myself, what real incentive does Jackson have to go ahead and break his own record? I don't think that he does have any incentive to go out there and try to break his own record. Plus, you know, obviously last year, I think Harbaugh wanted great things for Jackson because that was somebody he believed in, and he really pushed him to go ahead and and achieve the most success as possible. I don't think that's the goal this year. I think the ultimate goal, make him a better passer, keep him healthy, and eventually go ahead and win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Lamar Jackson under 919 and a half rush yards on the season. Hitman, you have a wide receiver. What do you got? Short and sweet, Jerry Judy under 850 receiving yards. You can find 900 at Bet Online, although it is low limits, but still a good number out there. You know what? During this pandemic, we really want to fade rookie receivers, and they're not going to have a lot of time to get gain chemistry if their new quarterbacks get acclimated to the the playbook. So we could see them struggle, especially in the first half of the season. And Judy, he's obviously not going to be the number one receiver on Denver. That's going to be Cortland Sutton. They added a ton of other weapons. Noah Fant in the first round last year. K.J. Hamler from Penn State in the third round this year. And their team that wants to play run first and defensive-oriented football with Fangio as the coach, and they signed Melvin Gordon and signed some offensive linemen this offseason. So I just don't think there's going to be enough volume for Judy to be able to get to this number. So I like this one all the way down to 750. Yeah, and speaking of 750 Hitman, I noticed that a lot of the books out there, he was even at 725, he was at 750, 740, there's some 800s out there, 
as you said, Bet Online had like a 900, 850. So there, there's a, a, a lot of books out there that, that seem like they don't have a real feel on what his numbers should be. As the hitman said, if you can get under 850 uh, receiving yards, that's a pretty solid bet. Anyone with access to it, you could get 850 at Hard Rock. You could get 824 at Fox Bet and 774 at FanDuel. All three of them I like. Solid numbers from the hitman there. Um, let's jump to, I want to get McKenzie and I want to get Bernie in here. So let's jump over to our team totals. Uh, Uncle Dave has one. I think we might actually get a head-to-head bet here. I'm going to start at Uncle Dave because I think we might end up with a little bit of drama here. Uncle Dave, you got the Chicago Bears. I'll let you rip and run on them. What are you thinking? Yeah, Sippy, I bet the Bears plus 400 to win the NFC North and over eight wins. You know, to me, it's all about value. I look at the odds for the NFC North, and the Packers and Vikings are plus 150 and plus 170. So the implied win probabilities there are 40 and 37%. And both have win totals set at nine. The Bears' win total is set at eight, and yet at plus 400, their implied division win probability is just 20% for one less win. Value on that. Strength of schedule, remarkably similar to both the Packers and the Vikings. Foles is an upgrade, let's face it. Foles has proven to really thrive with a good tight end. He hadn't been anything without Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. And I love Cole Komet coming in there. They drafted him in the second round. He's got first-round talent. But Mack and Hicks will be healthy. They add in Robert Quinn. So I expect Chicago's defense to steal a game or two. So then I look. They were an 8-8 eight and eight team last year. They didn't throw for more than 235 yards a game until week 12. So their win total and their division odds are strictly based on perception, which I think is incorrect. So I bet the Bears over eight wins and at plus 400 to win the NFC North. Uncle Dave taking the Bears to go and win the NFC North. I'm sure the hitman and myself are not happy about that, being that we uh, our teams are in the NFC North. I like the Packers. Hitman likes the Vikings. Dan, I'm going to go ahead and let you rip and run on your team. Who do you got? Funny part was Uncle Dave posted that video saying he liked the Bears. I was sitting there thinking I had a similar idea that the Packers and Vikings are coming down this year, but I'm with the Detroit Lions. I know last year they were terrible, but when you look at their unlucky stats, the amount of players they've lost in those coin flip games, the Lions were number 24 in football outsiders adjusted game loss metric, meaning that that is a very unstable metric year to year. So you want to be fading or playing on teams who have got unlucky with injury players. And Detroit, according to 538's close game metric, if you flip Detroit's win-loss record from that last year, they would have finished 7-8-1. and one. Stafford, we know he got hurt. He had the back issue. And last year in the offseason, we know his wife had the brain tumor. So we know Stafford probably wasn't fully committed to the offseason. If we can get a healthy staff right here, I think the Lions are close to an eight, maybe nine-win team. I've already stated it. I don't like the Packers this year. They're coming down. The Vikings got a lot of holes to me, and Detroit is fully capable of beating both those teams. With that being said, I'm taking the Lions over six and a half wins. All right, so there's Uncle Dave on the Bears, Dan on the Lions. And we do have a pro from Detroit, professional radio guy. You guys know him as Bernie Fratto. You guys catch him each and every Saturday night on straight out of Vegas. Bernie has a team total this year. Let's give it a listen. Sleepy, good to be with you. I uh, have an NFL futures best bet having to do with the Los Angeles Chargers. Their win total is seven and a half wins. My best bet with Chargers, I got it at minus 106, and here is my rationale. For the first time since the start of the 2006 season, 
Chargers will not have Phillip Rivers as their starting quarterback. He's moved on to Indianapolis, so they've handed the keys to the car to really kind of a journeyman, Tyrod Taylor, and uh, first-round rookie draft choice, Justin Herbert. He'll serve as the backup if uh, Taylor were to go, go down. Uh, the the uh, Chargers had a very disappointing 5-11 and season in 2019, and they vastly underperformed their expected win total last year, which was 9.5. So they went well under that. And to lose this bet, the Chargers would have to go 8-8 eight and eight this season, minimum. And there are several factors working against the fact that I believe the Chargers can go 8-8. Eight and eight. First of all, they're going to also have to adjust to life without former starting running back Melvin Gordon, who's produced 47 touchdowns over the past four seasons. So they replace him with kind of a committee approach. It'll be led by the 5'9", uh, you know, 190-pound Austin Eckler, who was fine when he was uh, a backup and a, and, a, and a role player, but now you hand him the keys of the car, different situation. Meanwhile, one of their top targets, veteran uh, wideout Keenan Allen, he was a very good, precise route runner, and he had great chemistry with Rivers, but he's had substandard athleticism for years, he runs at 40 and 4.8. So the, the Chargers are, you know, down with multiple weapons. Rivers, uh, Melvin Gordon, and then, uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have to replace a lot of offensive production. Finally, uh, it's my understanding that Anthony Lynn, who did have some success with Taylor in Buffalo, is going to be facing a much more conservative offensive approach. Uh, because they have a, a severe downgrade in their offensive weaponry. So I think it's going to be a tall tale for the Chargers to go from five wins last year to eight wins this year or more and lose that bet since they are down so many weapons. That's my best bet, Sweepy. Chargers under seven and a half wins. All right, guys, there's Bernie Fratto. He's going to go ahead. He's going to play the L.A. Chargers under the total of seven and a half. I kind of like that one myself. Hitman, he's going against a team I was very high on last year. Boy, did they let me down. I wouldn't be shocked if this team fell flat on their face. Hitman, who's your team total? We're going to go Jets under seven wins. So let's look at the first thing, handicap against the Jets. They still have Adam Gase as their head coach, and it's going to be tough for a team led by Adam Gase who hasn't had a good offense in his entire coaching career aside from the years of Peyton Manning. It's going to be hard for them, I think, to get to eight wins. Jets last year, yeah, they went 7-9 and nine, being one of the most injured teams in the league. But they had, I think, the easiest schedule in the entire league, and their Pythagorean win total came out to like 5.5. So they really weren't a 7-win team last year, as their record shows. And then this year, you're going from one of the easiest schedules in the entire league to they have the projected second-hardest schedule according to this year's season win totals. So the schedule is getting a lot tougher. You have a head coach that doesn't seem to really have the locker room and could be a lame duck coach at the end of the year. And also this pandemic, the Jets have an entirely new offensive line. They have new receivers in Perriman and Mims. You're really not going to have much time for them to get much chemistry early in the season. You have some tough games early in the season. At Buffalo, you're facing the Niners in week two. So – I just can't see the Jets getting the eight wins. I think we're going to push this at worst. Give me the Jets under seven wins. All right, guys. So there's the hitman with the Jets under seven wins for the 2020 season. Let's see. Do I want to give you uh, – let's go to McKenzie. McKenzie has a 
He has a season prop for you guys. Let's see what McKenzie has to say. For this NFL Futures extravaganza, I'm going to give you something good, something hood, something tangible, something obvious. Why haven't you bet this yet? You're going to be smiling every Sunday this year. Well, at least 12 Sundays out of the year. I'm going to go Kansas City Chiefs over 11 and a half wins. And I'll tell you why. This year, it's about the Jimmys and Joes. They got everybody back. Most talented team in the league on offense with the one weapon in the world that can unleash fury like no one's ever seen. Patrick Mahomes, that is. Look at the 2011 lockout season. The Green Bay Packers, with Aaron Rodgers and an average coach, in my opinion, an average offensive scheme, in my opinion, they go out and go 15-1. and He says, go run routes. I'm Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to do it like that. Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers on steroids. Maybe something else. Maybe like Adderall or something. He's figuring everything out. To me, fourth greatest quarterback of all time already. If I need a guy to win a game to save my life, he's shown it. He's off the charts. If you look at Third and fourth and 15, someone threw this up after Andy Reid said, onside kick alternative, I like it. I love fourth and 15. Patrick Mahomes is double the expected value of any other quarterback this millennium. Second is Brett Favre. He's twice that. It's unbelievable what this kid can do. And this year with a shortened offseason, more weapons, let's not overthink this one. Kansas City Chiefs over 11 and a half wins. All right, guys, there's Mackenzie Rivers stopping back on our podcast He's going to go ahead. He's going to take the Chiefs over the season win total. Can't disagree with him there. I like the Redskins guys under five and a half wins. Listen to this roster. Haskins, Geis, McLaurin, Sims, Harmon, and Sprinkle. Sounds like a three-win team to me. I will give the Redskins some credit, though. Their defense is actually average. I don't think their defense is, is terrible. But I think the departure of the veteran leadership of Josh Norman, I think that might actually show up a little bit. You know, this team, they're going to have to win five out of seven games that are actually doable for them. And I think in order for the Skins to go ahead and get the six wins, they're going to have to win on the road. They they have to play a game on the road against Arizona, one, one against Cleveland, one against Detroit, and another one against the Giants. Those are like the four games that they can win on the road. I just don't see them going on the road, and they might not win any of those games. Let's just say they win a couple games this season. You know, it, it's the the home schedule that's going to be tough for them. Uh, you know, we might have limited fans. I think they're going to need all the support that they get. And they're going to start out their first four home games of the year against four potential playoff teams. So, I mean, I, I looked at the schedule, and I just don't even think the Skins could win four games, let alone six. And I think the Skins are going to be looking for a new quarterback next year. I think they're going to end up with the top three pick in the draft. And uh, I actually have the Redskins slated at you know, three wins on the entire season. I mean, you could look at their schedule. They just don't have a whole lot of games that they can win. And the games that they do, you know, have kind of relatively weak opponents. Those games all come on the road. So uh, that is my best bet. My team total is going to be Redskins under five and a half wins. Guys, we have a bunch of other things that we can get to here. Um, that MVP thing was kind of interesting. I know the Hitman and Dave had something on that. Uncle Dave, why don't you go ahead and give out your MVP pick? I'm actually quite curious. I think that uh, I think you have a pretty decent long shot, a guy who certainly will be in the spotlight. And if he surprises a lot of people this year and his team surprised a lot of people, you might actually have a pretty good wager here. 
who do you have for your MVP this season? Well, who do I think's going to win or who did I bet on? You know, I don't bet on chalk. And like Hitman said, and I've said time and time again, you know, I'm not going to take Mahomes at whatever those deflated odds are, or inflated odds, depending on how you look at it, uh, and let him hold my money for probably more than six months. So a value bet, I took a Roethlisberger at 40 to 1. I've seen him as high as 50 to 1. And then again, I'm not going to go chalk. Um, and, you know, let's face facts. Since 2007, the only non-quarterback to win this award was Tomlinson. And right now, 11 of the 12 betting favorites are quarterbacks. So it's a quarterbacks to lose. And he hasn't had a QBR less than 90 since 2008. And before he got hurt in 18, threw over, uh, he threw for over 5,000 yards with a career high, 34 TD passes. So, you know, if this is a Steelers team, they can go 8-8 eight and eight with, with Hodges and, and Devlin. Um, I think Ben can... Ben can have another one of those years, and he'll he'll certainly get the, the sentimental vote, if nothing else, uh, and comeback player of the year probably too. So the only way I'm letting anybody hold my money is at those big prices, and, and Roethlisberger at 40 or 50 to 1, depending on where you shop, is a really good value play, I think. And Uncle Dave, I think a lot of the bettors who are going into the season where you do have to let the books go ahead and uh, hold your money for so long. You know, they're not making big bets. So, you know, it might take a, you know, a little bit of money on a guy like Big Ben at 40 to 1. You know, you can get a really nice return. It's not like you have to go ahead and lay out, you know, a percentage of your bankroll and let it just sit there where you can't go ahead and use it. So uh, I think that's a solid pick. Hitman, you have a guy, honestly, I didn't even really look at your pick until early this afternoon. I went golfing today with my buddy, and he's a diehard Eagles fan. And you have a Philadelphia Eagle. He talked me into it. And I'll tell you the reasons why he actually brought up a pretty decent point. And he started to convince me that your pick might actually be the way to go. Well, I appreciate that. Tell him that uh, sharp minds think alike, I guess. So obviously, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz at 28 to 1 to win MVP. And it comes down to the fact that, one, we've seen him play at an MVP level before. In 2017, when everything clicked, for the Eagles, he was going to win the league MVP before he tore his ACL late in the season. So we've seen him perform at that level. And if you're going to take a, team, a guy to win MVP, you're going to need that team to win at least 10, 11, 12 games. Eagles lined at nine and a half wins. And I can realistically see them being in that range. So I think we got a good team. We got a good player, most importantly. And we got a good situation because the Eagles – added a ton of receiving talent in the offseason and also are getting a bunch of guys back from injuries. So at 28 to 1, I think it's great value on Wentz to be the MVP. All right, so there's the Hitman there with Carson Wentz, MVP pick 28 to 1. Uh, two of the reasons, Hitman, that my buddy really kind of liked that pick, and he asked me, he said, you know, do you think that, you know, prior seasons actually would go into – uh, you know, an MVP choice for this season. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, look what Wentz did last year. He took the Eagles single-handedly to the playoffs with a roster that was absolutely broken down. I mean, they were calling guys off the street to go ahead and throw the ball to him. Wentz really played well. I mean, I was at one of those football games when, you know, they were really up against it against the Giants. And, you know, Wentz really willed that team to a really strong overtime win. But then he brought up the fact the same thing that you did with the MVP-type season that he had. When, you know, he went out there and he was, you know, he was going to win that award and he ends up getting hurt. So I think it's like, you know, if he could put 16 games together, get his team to the playoffs. And not only that, you know, he'll have Alshon Jeffrey at the end of the year. Hopefully he'll have Deshaun Jackson. He's got Goddard another year, Ertz another year. 
uh, Miles Sanders in the backfield. So uh, I think the Eagles have the playmakers, and I think they have the uh, the quarterback, you know, that actually has some, you know, really decent success in the last. It just didn't pay off, and it was like, man, he was almost there. He was almost there. So you have to wonder if he outplays Dak and the Eagles win that division. You know, I think I think he's right there, and I think you have a solid pick. All right, guys, speaking of playoffs, we have a prop here, make the playoff prop. Everybody has a team here that they think will make the playoffs. Okay, Dave, I'm going to go to you since my pick was on the Cleveland Browns to win the Super Bowl. I'll let you and go ahead completely deject me. What do you got? Well, rather than to make the playoffs, I took your Super Bowl winners to miss the playoffs. So we're, uh, we are on opposite sides of that one. Minus 160, you know, let's face it. In their division, the Ravens aren't going to be a pushover. The Steelers are going to be improved. And I think the Bengals will have their moments. And last year, they were 2-6 and six in their division. So I don't know where the wins are going to come from. I know people are talking about their offense, but it's their defense I worry about. Six times last year, they gave up 30 or more points. They opened with the Ravens. Then they got a short week Thursday. If they don't win both of those games or at least are competitive in one of them and win the other, you know, they might start – thinking a little bit too much. And, yeah, I know their schedule doesn't look overly difficult, and they could be a nine-win team if all goes well, but I don't think that's going to be enough. And I go back to their defense. They were 26th in turnover margin, the 29th most penalized team last season. If that's not enough, they were 22nd in third down conversions. So I just see too many things that need to be fixed for them to go to the next level. So I took the Browns to miss the playoffs at minus 160. All right, so there's Uncle Dave with no on the Browns going to the playoffs. I'm going to go no on a team myself. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Texans not to make the playoffs. You guys can get this around minus 175. It's a little bit chalky, but I think this will obviously go ahead and give you guys a return. You know, we talked about this team a while back, and the Hitman brought up a lot of valid points. You know, why the Texans, if you take Deshaun Watson off that roster, why they might actually have the worst roster in the NFL. And that really stuck with me because – you know, I don't doubt anything that Deshaun Watson can do as a quarterback. I think he's actually very good. I would put him in my top six or seven quarterbacks in the league, but I would put his coach as probably the worst head coach in the league. This guy single-handedly, I think, will divide the locker room this year. You get rid of maybe the best wide receiver in the league, uh, I think for honestly no reason at all. Deshaun Hopkins is now not on this team. I just think that the Texans, one, they have a hard schedule this season. But two, you know, they got to win the division. You got Indy in that division, and you also have the Titans looking to go ahead and rebound and, and go ahead and win that division again. You know, I don't see the Texans winning probably more than seven games this season. And in order for that team to, to squeeze in in the AFC, eight and eight might get them there, but I think that is going to be a very tall task. Nine wins probably might get them in, but there's no way in hell that that Texans team is going to win. It, I'll tell you what right now, if the Texans make the playoffs – Deshaun Watson probably wins the MVP, and I just don't see that happen. So I'm taking no Texans to go to the playoffs. Dan, you got a team. It's, oh, geez, you get the same old team all the time here, Dan. What do you got, Dan? My team to make the playoffs sleepy is the Colts, minus 150 on the S. Outside of the Chiefs and Ravens, for the most part, the other seeds in the AFC are up for grabs. When you look at the division, the Jags are going to be awful. You have the Houston Deshaun Watson because Watson is literally the team now since there's nobody there anymore. And the Titans, to me, are one of the biggest frauds coming into next year, despite that everybody's high on them. 
To me, the Colts this year are probably 10 and 6. Long shot, 11 and 5, and the floor is 9 and 7. At, even at 9 and 7, that gives them three wild card spots, and that would definitely probably seal the deal for them. And definitely 10 and 6, they win the division for the most part, unless Ryan Tano lights it up this year. To me, it just comes down to the fact I don't trust anybody outside of Indianapolis in the division to win the division. So at minus 150, I like the Colts to make the playoffs. All right, there's uh, Dan being a homer, jumping on the Indianapolis Colts. But, Dan, you know what? It's not that I uh, that I disagree with you. I think the Colts actually are a team that they could either you know win 11 games or they can win four. I think that, that that's a team that uh, that has a really high mark and a really low mark. But, uh, you know, it's not that I'm going to – I don't want to trash your team right in front of you right here on our podcast. But – uh, I guess we'll see how everything shakes out. Uh, Hitman, you actually have a pretty decent pick here, a team that I just absolutely cannot stand. And for any of you guys listening to the podcast, you probably already know who that is. Hitman, I'll let you go and rip and run on your team. Who do you got? Let's take Seattle minus 125 to make the playoffs. So obviously everybody knows you have seven teams making the playoffs this year. And so I figure that's gonna it's going to take nine and seven to make the playoffs in all likelihood. Well, Seattle has went nine or seven or better in every single year that Russell Wilson's been the quarterback, made the playoffs in seven of those eight years. And they made the playoffs in some of those years with a way worse roster than what they have this year. I mean, I think their offensive line is at least not bottom tier than it used to be. They have two good receivers. They can run the ball. The defense is okay. And obviously you have the second best quarterback in the entire league. So Seattle minus 125 to make the playoffs think there's also some value taking them to win the division but we'll play it safe with this one all right so there's a hitman going ahead and playing it safe with the seattle seahawks yes to go ahead and make the playoffs i hope that team wins one game this season i, I simply just cannot stand them but i have grown to respect Pete carroll and russell wilson that team just drives me out of my mind uh let's jump over to another topic that we have here this one should be pretty cool comeback player of the year Uncle Dave, Hitman, and myself, we all have a pick. Uncle Dave, I'll go ahead and let you start out. I'm starting to notice a trend here with you on this podcast, Uncle Dave. Who do you got for your comeback player of the year? Well, yes, you are, you are noticing a trend, and and I have to go chalk here, too, and take Roethlisberger. And since 2006, nine of the 14 winners have been quarterbacks. And as much as I hate going chalk, um, he's right with Gronkowski in terms of betting odds, and I think looking at coming out of retirement and coming off injury will be very different. And you add to that, Gronk's already won the award. Ben hasn't. I think he just needs an average year to get the votes. Obviously, I expect him to have better than average. But the fact that the Steelers, again, went 500 last year, almost making the playoffs with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges certainly weren't keeping them competitive. I got to think it's Ben's to lose. So I bet Ben Roethlisberger, comeback player of the year. Uncle Dave, I, I don't think I could even come up with an argument to go ahead and say that that's not a good wager. Uh, as I started to look at everybody on there, I'm like, well, Uncle Dave already has Big Ben. And then I really started thinking about, I'm like, you know what? He he probably is, you know, the, the right choice for to, to put like a decent size bet down. Uh, the Hitman went with another guy that a little bit longer odds. And then I have probably the longest odds here. But Hitman, I'll let you go and rip and run in your guy. Who do you think yeah, so I like Dave's pick with the quarterback, but I'm going to go with another quarterback, and it's going to be in the NFC North. Let's take Matt Stafford. So you could get him right now as I'm looking at the screen. You could get him 
around eight to one on average. It's actually a fourteen to one out there on BetMGM that I'm probably going to hit in the next few minutes. But um, Stafford was having a career year before he got hurt last year, and he really seemed to fit into the Daryl Bevel's scheme and. Galladay was having a big year. Uh, Marvin Jones. I like TJ Hawkinson. They added a pass catching running back for him. And also their defense is pretty bad. So you're probably going to see the Lions on a lot of shootouts. And although I would lean towards Ben getting it just because his team's more likely to have a good record, I think if Stafford could bring this team to eight wins, which isn't entirely unrealistic, and he plays to the level that he played last season before the injury, I think he's got a great shot to win this one. All right, so there's the hitman going to the NFC North back in Matt Stafford as his comeback player of the year. You know, I looked at it. I wanted to take a guy that really was out of the spotlight uh, for the last couple of years, and I think I found my guy, A.J. Green, at 14-1. I think A.J. Green has been, you know, massively quiet over the last couple of years, and one of the big reasons because the Bengals has just absolutely stunk, and I think he's going to be surrounded by one of the most hyped players in the league, number one pick, Joe Burrow out of LSU. I think any major success that Burrow has this season, it's going to be because of A.J. Green. Now, health has been an issue with Green uh, over the last couple of years, but I think this could be a year where Green, you know, he gets himself another contract, um, you know, to go ahead and finish out his career, you know, with a decent-sized price. You know, the Bengals are going to be in the spotlight with Burrow, you know, in, in an early primetime game and a late primetime game, uh, week two against Cleveland. And I think that's a winnable game for them. And at home at the end of the season against Pittsburgh, which more than likely will probably be a revenge situation. And I think the Bengals are going to be motivated now that they have a new coach uh, who's actually competent. And will realize that A.J. Green is the best player on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, Green should be in the running, I think, at 14-1. to 1, And I think it's worth, you know, a minimal size bet uh, at least. So. Those are our comeback player of the years. We have coach of the year as well. We have Dan and Uncle Dave. Dan, I'll let you go ahead and rip and run on your coach of the year. Who are you thinking? This one's pretty straightforward to me. I'm going with Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's got Patrick Mahomes. He'll be a Super Bowl contingent team again. And Pat Mahomes repeats maybe 60, 70, 80, or 90% of what they did last year. And the Chiefs look really awesome again. I think the media is finally going to give it to him and Andy Reid. So I'll take a chance at 20-1 to 1 with Andy Reid. All right, there's Dan Rivera taking the Super Bowl winning Andy Reid. 20-1 to 1 for the coach of the year. Uncle Dave, he's going to go in a different direction. Uncle Dave, who do you got? Well, I think you know who I'm taking after what I've been through in the last hour and a half here. Uh, I'm taking Mike Tomlin. I don't, uh, you know, I think that, and this just did surprise me a little bit, that he's never won the award. So, again, this is voting, so I think that may play a big factor in it. I know there's a lot of candidates that are, are probably odds-wise a little bit a little bit lower, but, you know, with Ben coming back, you know, they, they could win 11 games and, I think they got to give it to Tomlin. So, you know, short and sweet. I like the Steelers upside this year, so that's where my money's going. Not a bad choice there with Mike Tomlin from Pittsburgh. Can't disagree with you there, Uncle Dave. Uh, certainly has a, uh, you know, a, a division where they could surprise. They win that division. I mean, he's right there. Uh, Hitman, you know what? We have a we have a topic here that we didn't get a chance to get to yet. Quarterbacks to start week number one. I gave out a pick hitman here. I gave out Foles minus 250. I gave it out actually a while back, I think when he was like minus 150. That was weeks and weeks ago. But I still think Foles has some value here. And my my explanation here 
and my handicap is pretty damn simple. Why do you bring Nick Foles in to, you know, to, to be a backup? Like, really? Is that why you bring him in there? Um, you know, when, when Foles went to the Rams, he started. When, you know, he went to Philadelphia, he, he played a couple games there where he started. He won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he went to Kansas City and he, he didn't start for that team. But, um, you know, he was a starter for the Jaguars. So it's like well, you bring this guy in and it, you would assume he's probably going to be your starting quarterback. When you have a guy like Trubisky, who I think we all seen his ceiling before. I think we know full ceiling. I think this is one of those situations where if you bring Foles in and he fails, and you go to Trubisky, and it's like, see, uh, it's not that we have all these other options out here as quarterback. It's this is our guy, and this was our guy. So a lot of people will make the other, you know, the other argument. And I know Dan was kind of making the other argument, maybe for Trubisky, which is shocking because Dan simply just does not like Trubisky at all. But for me, I'm going to take Foles minus the two fifty. Now, Hitman, you have a lot of quarterbacks that that might start week one, might not start week one, but this is something that we can bet on. So. I'll let you go ahead and give some general talk on the quarterbacks to start week one. What do you got? Yeah, so let me go over the three that are listed right now at a few sports books. You got the Bears, Chargers, Dolphins. And I'm actually going to disagree with you on the Foles one. And the reason for that isn't that I think that he will be the starter, but right now you got to lay three to one on that. So I actually think Trubisky on the take back, like plus 220, has a little bit of value. And I do believe that Foles is the better quarterback, and most of us believe that. But the fact is with that, if uh, there's a shortened offseason, so that's going to support Trubisky. And if you do start Foles week one, there's really no going back to Trubisky. So I think maybe they do give it a few weeks just to see, maybe he turned the corner, and then they go to Foles. Uh, but uh, the other teams, Chargers, I do like Tyrod Taylor, minus 330. I understand it's a heavy price, but... Herbert, it's going to be tough for him to come in and start with no off-season program. And Anthony Lynn really seems to like Tyrod. They had no interest in Cam Newton. All the press clippings is Lynn just raving about Tyrod. So I think that he at least starts week one. And the other quarterback uh, competition that you have is Miami. Fitzpatrick's laying minus 400. Tua on the take back, plus 350. I could only look Fitzpatrick in that. I really don't want to lay the 4-1. to one. But it's going to be tough for Tua to come in there and start with a shortened off season, just as we kind of touched on with Herbert. So, yeah, that's all that we got up for those. And the only one that I have considered betting personally is the Tyrod one, minus 330. All right, so solid information there from the Hitman. Hitman, you brought up Tua. And, I, I you know, I guess we have a couple extra minutes here we can hurry up and burn. We have offensive and defensive rookie of the years. Now, if you guys didn't, Listen to our podcast probably from, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Me and Dan did a pretty in-depth look at the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Dan, I'm going to go through and we'll rip through this one real quick. Offensive rookie of the year for me. I'm going with Tua. I think there probably won't be a bigger spotlight on any other rookie quarterback this season. You know, you can get Tua at 8-1 to one right now. And I think, that, you know, with the fact that the Miami Dolphins did so poorly last year, the fact that they have a decent roster, at least this year, and a lot of people are kind of optimistic. If Tua goes out there and he and he really shows that he's not injured and he might be the quarterback for the future, um, I think that they they just give this award away to him. So uh, I'm going to take two at eight to one. Now you, Uncle Dave, and the Hitman, I believe you all agreed on your offensive rookie of the year, and I actually really like that play too. Who do you got? Before I get started to the listeners, Sleepy, I did see some 10-1s out there for Tua. 
But I know Dave and Hitman both have already hit it with much, much better odds. I think this is Clyde Edwards. Hilaire is going to win it this year. I've seen him 6-1. to one. He should probably be the favorite over Joe Burrow, who I don't expect much out of this year. Edward Tolera alone is in a much better situation than Burrow. He's going to get the stats. He's going to get the TV time. And if I'm a award winner, I'm much more likely to give to somebody who's winning more versus the guy who's not winning. And I'm going to give you a second pick, a long shot that I kind of like, DeAndre Swift, 16-1, to because he's in a situation where the other running back, Carrion Johnson, can't stay healthy. And I expect Stafford and the Lions have a bit of a bounce back. So that's two picks. All right, so there's Dan Rivera going ahead and jumping out there with his Offensive Rookie of the Year stuff. How about Defensive Rookie of the Year? Dan, I'll let you go ahead and jump right back into your picks. What do you got? Yeah, so Sleepy touched on it. We did a podcast on this. But if you guys didn't listen to it, you're looking to be playing players who are a edge defender, the outside linebackers or pass rushers players, or off-ball linebackers. And guys drafted in the first round before pick 16 or higher. So in that case, Chase Young, plus 250s out there. Unfortunately, a lot of the values come back down because I got it at plus 350. I did see a plus 450 a couple weeks ago. Chase Young, this is probably his award to lose. He's going to get the sacks. He's going to get the numbers. We already know the media loves him. A guy I like that's a long shot is Patrick Queen, 12-1 of the Ravens. Patrick Queen walks into a situation where he'll be the starter from day one. Patrick Queen will have lots of TV time. People love the Ravens right now in the media, and we know the media likes to play favorites. And lastly, the Ravens like to use a lot of blitz packages with their linebackers. So Patrick Queen's going to have some sacks and tackles for losses. All right, so there's Dan Rivera giving you a chalky play and a value play. Um, you know, if Chase Young and, and the Redskins defense ends up somewhere in the top 10 and he has a monster season, if you watched him play at Ohio State, I mean, that guy's an absolute game changer. Uh, you know, he reminds me of like a Khalil Mack or, you know, Von Miller. He just reminds me of those type of guys. He can change the game. Here's a guy that I like, and a lot of people are going to struggle to find this one, which uh, raises an eyebrow to me, the fact that sports books are just not simply offering this guy. The Raiders quarterback, Damon Arnett, you guys can find him at 40-1 to 1 at DraftKings. It's the only sports book I can find him at, and that actually is a quite suspicious. Here's one of the reasons why I like Arnett. I think he needs to be in the spotlight. And look, the Raiders this year, they're going to be in Las Vegas. They have a lot of primetime games this season. And look, he's yeah, he's going to go up against Mahomes. He's going to go up against Drew Brees, and he's going to you know go up against uh, a Tyrod Taylor, I think, in in another primetime game. So he's going to have the opportunity to play in primetime games and go up against you know decent quarterbacks. Let's just say he has you know one of those seasons where you know he, he ends up maybe being able to pick off Mahomes or pick off Drew Brees. I think that really gives him under that you know Monday night football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football spotlight. Um, I think that really gives him a solid edge. But if you look at Arnett's stuff from when he played at Ohio State, uh, that guy was he, – he had his bags packed ready to go to the NFL. And, you know, Hall of Fame wide receiver Chris Carter and his father talked him in and said, look, you know, you need to mature. You need to go ahead and, and do another year and really learn, um, you know, this position. You could, you know, be something special and be a really high pick in the draft. And sure enough, uh, here he was, you know, a really high pick. To see. I think it was like the 19th pick in the draft this season. But go back to Ohio State. That guy played his final year with a cast on his arm. Uh, he broke his wrist in a, uh, I think it was an early season scrimmage against J.K. Dobbins. So the fact that this guy, you know, played with a broken cast and he only let up one touchdown in each of his seasons there at Ohio State. So only three touchdowns given up in his entire career 
at Ohio State. And I think the fact that the Raiders defense, at least their back end defense, was terrible last year. If, you know, they come around and they actually show signs of, a, you know, a, of a lot of improvement and a lot of it comes from this guy. I think that there's a, a sneaky shot um, that this guy could get it done. So that's my defensive rookie of the year. Raiders cornerback Damon Arnett. It is that time of the podcast. We have our best bets. Uncle Dave, what's your best bet? Well, I'm going to tell you what I already bet. It's a game. Uh, first game of the season, Thursday night, Chiefs-Texans. I bet under 56 points. You know, look at the division game last year. The three and the two, that total was 50. I know they scored 82. Are the Texans scoring 21 first quarter points? No. Are the Chiefs scoring 28 second quarter points? No. Although I don't think Houston will suffer as much as most people do. They do have two new targets with Cox and Cobb. But, again, no solid offseason. And last year, Houston had just played an OT game against Buffalo. Kansas City had the first round bye. You know, here's the thing. This did surprise me. Only one of the Chiefs' home regular season games last year did go over 56 points. So lose this bet, I need more than eight touchdowns without 73,000 fans, less preparation, and everything about the game being just different. I think I'm taking full advantage of that inflated number. I like the Chiefs and Texans under 56 points. All right, so there's Uncle Dave's week one best bet wager. He's going to go take Kansas City, Houston under the total. So here's another week one wager for you guys from the one, Dan Rivera. Week one, Denver Broncos, minus one and a half, minus $1.07 on DraftKings. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I think the Titans are the most fraudulent teams heading into the NFL season. We know Denver has that great home field advantage early in September, and that's with a normal offseason. This offseason, you're going to get less practice time. And Denver's defense is good enough to contain Derrick Henry here. To me, at minus one and a half, I just need Denver to win this game. And Denver is fully winning this game. Denver also beat this team, I believe, 20 to zero. But that was Marcus Mariota. To me, minus one and a half, I'll gladly lay the points here week one. Especially because that altitude and I believe the Titans defense will be gassing by the end of the game. So best bet, week one, Denver over the Tennessee Titans at minus one and a half. All right, so there's Dan Rivera's best bet. He's going to go ahead. He's going to back the Denver Broncos. I'd be willing to bet that the hitman will have Denver in one of his super contest selections. That's just a gut feeling. I don't know why, but I just have a gut feeling about the hitman. I like your pick for week one. You have my Green Bay Packers. Why don't you go and give your handicap? Yeah, so Sleepy, uh, one of the things about – it hurts me taking the Packers against the Vikings, but once the Vikings start paying my bills, then I'll start to take them every game. Um, let me get the Packers plus three and a half at the Vikings. And it just comes down to the fact that we're very likely going to have limited or no fans. And the Vikings are going to be the one, one of the most hurt teams in the league by that. They get about three and a half for home field advantage when they have their fans there, but they're probably only going to get two points or so for home field in this one. And I only have the Vikings a half point better. So I make the game two and a half right now. And I think worst case, if there are full fans, then it's three and a half and it's a free roll. So it's pretty much a free roll with Green Bay. Vikings, most rookies in the entire league. They had, I believe, 17 draft picks. So they're going to be relying on a lot of these rookies. And there's going to be a short and off season program to make it happen. So give me best bet week one Packers plus the three and a half. All right, guys, as I said, I like that one. My Green Bay Packers catching three and a half. 
against the Minnesota Vikings. Guys, I'm going to freestyle this one. This is my best bet. I honestly, I didn't have time to go ahead and do a write-up for you here, but I do like Christian McCaffrey under 1,300 rushing yards this season. Look, guys, I, I think that, you know, this whole Matt Rule experiment isn't just an experiment. I think this is going to be, you know, where this guy's sitting in Carolina for three, four, five years to come, maybe even more. You know, even if he goes out and he has a terrible, you know, first year as a head coach, um, I don't think there's any way that his job is in jeopardy. And I think the fact that he probably knows that, and I think everybody on the Carolina Panthers know that, why in the hell would they run Christian McCaffrey into the ground? He just got a monster contract. If you're going to build anything towards the future, and let's face it, the Panthers probably are not going to the playoffs this year, and more than likely they certainly uh, aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year or probably next year. This is a, a building team right now, and I don't see any reason why you would run McCaffrey in the ground. Um, I just don't see it. You have a new offense out there with, with you know, Teddy Bridgewater. We know rule comes from Baylor. You know, they like to throw the football a lot. So for me, it's just why am I going to go ahead and, and run my, my star running back into the ground uh, on a season where, you know, a lot of teams might be, you know, a lot of players might be dejected. You know, the team might be dejected at the end of the year, but maybe they can take a lot of personal inventory at the end of the year and say, look, you know, you know, we won four, we won five, six games this season. Not a bad season. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's happy. We're going to come back, you know, improve through free agency, improve through the draft. And, you know, you keep Christian McCaffrey, keep those wheels, you know, well greased and oiled, ready to go into the next season where they'll probably be far better. So uh, I just think there's a ton of yards for McCaffrey. I just think it's way, way too high. And uh, if I'm the head coach, honestly, and I'm looking at this as a head coach, um, there's no way I run my guy uh, that I just paid, you know, top dollar for into the ground. Uh, on a season that's really not going to mean a whole lot. Just season to build off of. So uh, that is my best bet, guys. Christian McCaffrey under 1,300 rushing yards. Guys, we have a ton of picks. Uh, actually, 30, 39 picks for this podcast. Not all that bad. Uh, big thanks to Uncle Dave, Dan, and the Hitman. Also to Mackenzie Rivers and Bernie Freddy. You guys can catch me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. You can get the Hitman pregame hitman, Dan Rivera at Dan Rivera 228 Uncle Dave at Dave underscore Esler. And you guys can find us on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Again, guys, it's always our pleasure to go ahead and give you guys some uh, some stuff here during the coronavirus. At least you guys have a ton of wagers now to go ahead and wager on uh, for your NFL futures. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy uh, the limited games that we have. We got NRL action, so I'm happy about that. We'll talk to you later.